0: And with eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions
1: apply. What's up, guys? It's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Each day starting on Monday, February 18th, The Big Picture will be hosting six Oscar preview videos leading up to Sunday's ceremony. Sean Fennessy hosts with a variety of other Ringer staffers covering everything you need to know about this season's Oscar race. You can watch these videos at youtube.com theringer or catch the highlights on The Ringer's Instagram and Twitter.
0: Friends, and welcome to this golf podcast. Unlike any other, we're very happy to have you. It's time for some fairway roll. Oh, yeah. My par saving pals, my birdie buddies, this is the new golf podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, brought to us by our good friends at Callaway who had more drivers in play than any other brand at this past week's genesis open the tiger woods presented genesis open including the winner of the event jb holmes was out playing with a beautiful callaway epic flash sub-zero he banged it all over the joint my friends i'm joe house the starter of this fine escapade that we're about to go on together. Couple things out there this week. Obviously, the Genesis Open is in our rearview mirror. We saw a hot tiger, we saw a slow JB Holmes, we saw an incandescent Justin Thomas who couldn't get across the goal line and we're running it back everybody. That matters, except for JB, who's taking the week off, is reassembling for the WGC event down in Mexico. We have on the line, none other than Harry Guyon to help me with this week in Tiger Woods and a few picks. Of course, we're doing golf social with Megan Schuster. And none other than Nathan Hubbard, the unpaid ringer intern and and resident golf correspondent. His brother won on the web.com tour this weekend. So Nathan comes on to share with us what went into that spectacular win. Without further ado, the first tee is open. Let's go let out a little shaft, my friends. And now on the tee, Nathan Hubbard. Oh, my goodness. Birdie Buddies, our first guest today. It's nice to kick off the show with a genuine, great, big, swinging Johnson. This gentleman is a former CEO of Ticketmaster, the former chief of commerce, among other things, at Twitter. He is the current CEO of a business called Rival. He is an unpaid intern at The Ringer.com. perhaps his greatest accomplishment. He was a guest judge on perhaps the very best YouTube eating competition in history. House Eats 3. But for our purposes today, my par-saving pals, he is the brother of a winner on the web.com tour. Nathan Hubbard, what's happening, my man? it been a big, big couple of days for the Hubbard family. A big couple of days for the Hubbard family. Now, you texted me uh, at 1.30 in the morning Saturday. It was early, early Sunday morning. It was overnight Saturday into Sunday because you were having a hard time sleeping on the fifty-four hole lead. So let let's just set this up a little bit. Let's let's tell everybody what the hell we're talking about here. Your your brother Mark Hubbard is a professional golfer on the Web.com Tour.
2: He is. He uh, he spent three years on the big tour after coming out of the a uh, prestigious 2014 web class that included Thomas and Finow and Daniel Berger, to name a few.
0: Those he are names. three years
2: up on the big tour. Yes, they are. He spent three years up on the big tour and then came down last year and uh, got hurt and had kind of a tough go of it, but hung in there, stayed in the top 75, so he had another shot this year. And uh, he came in of the year feeling okay a little rusty missed a couple cuts last week finished top 20 was making a lot of birdies but you know uh wasn't all the way there and then just caught it this week and went to bed on saturday night with a 54 hole lead he slept a lot more hours than i did clearly uh because he came in sunday and closed it out
0: yeah it was unbelievable we were uh, following the event, um, it was down in in Florida near Tampa. Uh, it was the L E C O M, Laycom. How how is how was Mark pronouncing it? How are we pronouncing that that event?
2: I don't know. I thought the tournament was sponsored by the Cheetah in Tampa, but I think they maybe upgraded this year because it's a new thing, and so I'm not sure how it's pronounced.
0: I don't look Well Web. dot com definitely lives under par. Uh, and so we're, we're just going to leave it at that when it when it comes to the cheetah, the check, cleared. The, check the check cleared, that's the only, and, and that's the most important part. So let's do a little backstory on, on Mark, uh, his, uh, entry into, into the, the professional golf world. He played collegiately at San Diego state, right? San Jose state. Yeah. San Jose state. I said, I got, pardon me. And from graduating college to playing on the big tour, what was that path like?
2: So he, he won the WAC tournament his senior year, kind of came out of nowhere and won the WAC tournament. I, I'd been beating him a couple years before that. And all of a sudden, uh, Happy led his putt. And he won the WAC tournament, went on to the Canadian tour, won a tournament on the Canadian tour, which got him onto the web. Uh, and into that class year, And he never won a tournament that year on the web, but he had so many top 10s that he qualified in the top 25 and that brought him up to the big tour. So he really had a really fast acceleration, uh, to get there. And you know, that then you get up there and that's when the grind starts.
0: Yeah. And, and over his three years on the big tour, I feel like I was fortunate enough to catch one of the highlights. Uh, He actually performed very well here at the event that used to be in Washington, D.C. It's no longer here, um, out at Congressional. Uh, We walked with him, and by we, I mean I walked with you, uh, tracking him. He was paired with Ricky Fowler. This was, I think, two years ago in one of the final groups. He was uh, among the top ten for sure on Saturday and was paired with Fowler, which was a pretty neat experience just as a guy, from my perspective, Walking it, what what would you say is uh, a couple of Marky's highlights um, over I'd I call him Marky because you did that, by the way.
2: That's right. Look, you hit it. I mean, the, the, the guy has had a lot of those kinds of experiences where he he never top 10 on the PGA Tour, but he was in the mix so many times. And when you talk about what an unbelievably mental game this is, and for him, why this weekend and the win was so important and such a different state of mind for him. You know, he was you saw it. He made the turn after that sixth hole at Congo on Saturday. He makes the turn playing with Fowler, uh, steps up to the par three seventh, and he's in like he's like T four. And he hits he hits a T shot that looks like it's going straight at the hole. It's two feet short in the rough. And by the eleventh hole he'd snap the head off of his off of his, you know, fairway medal. <laughs> right and that was it
0: right that's and
2: it and so yeah. you know a, a lot a lot of those experiences where you know he was in the hunt in San Antonio uh pulled the wrong club right he was in the hunt uh in Reno uh you know he he had a final round pairing with Phil in the desert at the at the old Bob Hope in Palm Springs and played great shot five under with Phil Phil put his arm around him walking up 18 gave him good advice he finished you know 15th so you know besides the omelet bars in the tour uh, you know food station <laughs> those have been the kind of highlights that he's had through his career where he's been in the mix been hanging in there but I can sure as Sunday go back and plot you know when things get tough uh there are times where he stepped up but the consistency across four rounds that's the grind that's out there. And, uh, and and what was so great about Sunday is, and not just Sunday, really, the whole week. I mean, he told us on Tuesday, I'm going to win this golf tournament. And he never says that.
0: Wow. Why why, why did he say that? Where did yeah. that come from?
2: You know, it, it's just the last two years have been such a mental grind for him. If you look at the highlights of Mark, and you saw this because you walked it with him. He's the guy who pulls every kid out of the crowd and signs a ball for him. He's the kid yep. who... You know, when the old lady's getting getting scolded by security for trying to take a selfie with him, he stops, grabs the phone, and takes a picture. He gives and gives and gives, but he's so hard on himself. And he, he beats the hell out of himself mentally. And, and he's done that for two years, and I think that's contributed to him not getting the results that he wants. Well, I saw his interview on Friday night, uh, heading into the 54-hole lead, and he said... I'm not a puppet to the outcome anymore. And I sat back and was like, what kind of Gandhi, (laughs) you know, Carl Jung, Hillary Clinton presidential election
0: shit is that? Yeah, some Zen shit. And
2: that is the state of mind that he was in all week. At some point, I think these guys, you know, as any human being does, and this is why golf is such a great, you know, analogy for life. At some point, you got to throw off that shawl of suffering that you're wearing and just say to hell with it. I'm not going to worry about results. I'm just going to go do it. And he got himself to a place this week where he was good to himself and forgiving of himself. And it carried him through the weekend. I mean, how's I caddied for him at, the, at one of the web final events in Columbus uh, over the summer in August? And yep. There was a time when he was, you know, scrambling in the mix a little bit. He was grinding, but, you know, the nicest guy on the course had an eagle putt that he left like a quarter inch short. Um. Words that came out of his mouth, I, w- I would not dare repeat on this podcast, not even watching Cousin South throw up on House Eve 3 They were so <laughs> awful. And I left after caddying for him that week, and I wrote him a long note. And I just said, this is not you you are better than this. You got to act like a pro if you want to be a pro. And of course he didn't need me to tell him that he's his own harshest critic, but I think he spent the last couple of months after the web finals thinking about what it means to be a pro. And part of that, a huge chunk of that, as you know, is getting your mind, right. And the game has always been there. And so over these first couple events, we're looking at his birdie count going, you're making more birdies per round per tournament than you have in your whole pro career so it's about you know letting go of those mistakes and 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 getting back to some more consistency and he was able to harness that this week
0: so uh for for folks that may not pay attention to what i'm going to call i don't mean this in a pejorative way but it's not the upper echelon of of the big tour it is you know kind of a, a tier down i'll call it you know second tier but the second tier the thing that that Folks who may not follow golf, uh, professional golf that closely, it is loaded. It is so effing competitive. And you wrote a story for the ringer.com in your uh, role as unpaid intern about uh, the relegation process in professional golf, where a big chunk of guys who have performed well on the big tour each season get dropped out. And they have in this second dairy tour, the web.com a whole chunk of guys that can rise on up and and take their spots. And just for the sake of of context, the people on the web.com tour, you have guys who have won major tournaments. Mike Weir played in this tournament that your brother won this week. Mike Weir, winner of the Masters, and your brother kicked his ass. So this is a a loaded secondary tour. Talk a little bit about how competitive it is, and then how does a player like Mark – figure out how, how to, to be successful in that secondary uh, realm?
2: Well, so the, the tour is a grind. The web is a grind. You think about how many pro golfers there are in the world. There's 55 guys on, a, on just one NFL team. There's only less than 200 guys on the big tour overall, and another, call it 150, on the web tour. But the web tour is tough, man. It's not the glitz and glamour. There's very few fans out there. They're standing in you know, Courtyard by Marriott at best. They're not eating well. They're alone. There's uh, just tournament after tournament after tournament out there. And it is tough. And, and you think about the quality of guys that are out there. Mark graduated in 2014, and he's playing alongside Justin Thomas and Tony Finau and Daniel Berger. These are guys who are hitting it 400 yards and Mark's whacking it out there 265, 275 at the time and and turning to me going, I'm playing a totally different game. And yet you get up to the big tour and you got to find a way to compete. And so uh, it is a tough, tough tour. You know, last week by winning, he made more just last weekend than he did all the year before. And the joke that comes out on that tour is what's, you know, what's the difference between a large pepperoni pizza and playing the web.com tour And the answer is that the pepperoni pizza can feed a family of four. And I I think that the tour probably structures it that way because they don't want guys comfortable. But every single year you've got another crop of kids who are coming up from college who all started their training way earlier because golf became a thing who all idolized Tiger Woods and, and picked up that club earlier than the guys ahead of them and had more, you know, structured coaching and teaching and video technology to help them refine their swings. And so you got people constantly nipping at your heels. You can't make a living on that web tour. So there's guys who really have to make that choice who don't bump up to the big tour. How long am I going to stick it out and try to make, you know, five, six figures a year, uh, you know, in hopes of fulfilling my dreams. And so, you know, last year was a tough year for Mark, for example this year, w- without a win, without getting into that top twenty five uh, which you need during the regular season to get up to the big tour, you know he's gonna have to probably step back and think about his options in life. Uh, but that's why one win and one weekend and catching that lightning in a bottle can really not just uncork you in terms of your confidence going forward, but but it can be life changing and getting you back up to the big tour,
0: yeah, well, the, you just hit on one thing that I wanted to ask you about because you you actually have the perspective of someone kind of living it. And th- that is the aspect here of it takes a village, right? For for a guy in Mark's shoes to be able to pursue this dream of his, it's not simply him living for himself. He's married. I'm sure that he and his wife are are excited about starting a family at some point in time. But while he's chasing his dream, it's not the right time to to necessarily start the family. And then, in you know, just the sheer numbers in terms of what he's able to make by, you know, uh, playing in these events on the web.com tour where the, the highest purse, um, you know, if you win the event, you win 110 grand or 115 grand. Um, but otherwise, you know, it's, it's kind of five figures. You, just like you said, you have to have that support network, the family and friends that provide not just the, the moral support, the mental support, but there's gotta be economic support as well. Right.
2: Yeah, the, the glamour of it is gone. I mean, look, uh, our joke is uh, he's not buying dinner until he makes a million dollars on tour, right? And that, that's, we're sticking to that. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to buy an expensive dinner this week as we <laughs> celebrate. He's coming out to L.A. tomorrow. But, but yeah, I mean, it is really tough. And, you know, all, that, all these guys live in states where they're not paying the income tax. They're never home. But they they got to declare that residency just to try to maximize their income. But but I promised him last year he was cash flow negative. And so at some point that, you know, we think about the guys, Phil and JT and, you know, J.B. Holmes won a million plus winning at Riv this week. But, you know, at at some point that pressure of I am only going to eat what I kill. there, There is no other sport that really is that way with so many guys down the chain just trying to keep their head above water. And that's some of the beauty of that relegation, you know, uh, uh, tournament or th- th- that part of golf, which is that first of all, everybody has a chance to get to the big league, but also everybody's vulnerable and quietly. It's one of the most fun things at the end of the season, when you see the mental toughness of the guys who step up and keep their role either on the B tour or on the- on the big tour. And then also the guys who tend to crack and just, Slip out and you can see careers changing, right? That guy's going to have to go be a, a head pro at a nice country club, not a bad gig, but not what he dreamed about growing up.
0: Yeah. And, and, and in that respect, and your story captured it, um, we'll have to point folks to it on the ringer.com. It's the truest of true meritocracies. You know, it is just pure merit. All the guys, the things that, that separate the level of play among these guys, it's razor thin. And, you know, you have to believe in yourself, and you have to go get it done. Now, one of the things um, I want to make sure that i I cover with you today, I want to pivot a little bit. um the the reaction you mentioned j b. Holmes at at Riviera. Uh, and one of the the takeaways after that tournament, there has been a lot of commentary this week about how long j b. Holmes takes over uh, each individual shot over putting and over yeah. the rest of it as, as a, as a person that's in professional golf, the way that, that you are, do you have, a, a any, any thoughts on this, uh, slow play, uh, concept?
2: I, I I'm of two minds on it. I mean, the first is it's a little bit like pass interference in the, in the NFL, like they got to find a way to consistently enforce the rule, right? Mark, Mark was on the clock both days with no TV coverage. And in the final group, and not playing that slow of a round on the Web Tour, right? Same, same rules, officials. So so they're applying it heavily there. Meanwhile, you know JB's taken four and a half minutes. Doesn't even start his routine until the other guy's putt. They got to find a way to do that. My, my own view is the hard part about golf is that it doesn't fit well into the bite-sized content world that we live in. And the same, you know, you look at baseball, baseball's attendance down year over year last year for the first time in a while. That's an existential crisis for baseball. And it comes with the shrinking attention span of this generation. And golf is not going to be immune from that. Now, the cool thing about golf live is that it's actually for as much of a pretentious sport as it is, it is also probably the most democratized. Or in terms of everybody who goes to see a golf tournament can get a front row seat. The fact that they're letting this drag on so long just is an alienating thing in this world where we want these little bite-sized snackable bits of content that can go into my Instagram story. You know, having JB, you know, do six laps and get his 10,000 steps, I'd like to see them enforce it
0: consistently. So I agree with you. I am of two minds my own self. The interesting thing is you have to remember that the, the big tour makes its money from its, from its television contracts. It's an entertainment product. It's competing for entertainment dollars and, and advertising eyes on television, and so it has its block of time on Saturdays and Sundays, and to me, as a consumer of it, I kind of don't care how long it takes the guys to get through shots other than and in two respects can they get the round finished by dinner time uh on sunday and does the the duration of of a dude standing over a shot diminish my opportunity to watch other guys play because that that's the 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 ongoing complaint with the uh, tv broadcasts is you know not enough golf shots sort of across the field they end up focusing and I understand the rationale why, but they end up focusing on like the lead group and it's to the exclusion of, of other guys that might be bumping up into the lead. Uh, and, and if there's a slow player in the lead group, then you kind of get stuck watching that lead group. Um, but I also wonder, and I'm interested in your perspective on this, whether the slow play, um, creates a competitive advantage potentially. Like, I wondered watching um, JB Holmes and Justin Thomas whether JB Holmes, uh, you know, his sort of uh, death by a thousand plumb bobs, how long he was taking over each putt, was having any effect on Justin Thomas, who had kind of gone off the rails. What do you think about that?
2: Well, first of all, I think they need better snacks and liquor in the clubhouse. That'll get these guys around a little bit faster. But I do think. <laughs> I was, I was watching JT's feed yesterday, his Twitter account, to see what he was going to say. Because you've got to believe it, it, was, it was getting to him. I mean, listen, this happens in tennis all the time, right? Where the opponent slows it way down and gets, and, and the umpire, the chair judge, has got to yell at the guy to start going. It's a, it's a tried and true tactic. I don't know if that's what JB was trying to do, but I'll tell you this if I was playing with him, I don't care if we were at Bakers Bay or, you know, in the final round of the Riv, I'd have been pissed. So, you know, you got to imagine it's a little bit of a mind game that, again, if they enforce the rule consistently, I'm okay with it. But if you're going to let one guy do that and then put somebody else on the clock, yeah, it doesn't work for me.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Well, look, this is, uh, we could do this for for hours. I appreciate you coming on today on the heels of Mark's first win this season on the web.com tour. You have to come back on. I expect nothing but uh, unbridled success uh, out of at Homeless Hubs. That's his Twitter feed. It's an awesome Twitter follow, by the way. Mark Hubbard, uh, uh, all season long. Nathan Hubbard, thanks for coming on today, my dude.
2: My pleasure. You know, what he said to me when I talked to him, House, was I'm ready to go get the next one. So we'll come back on after number two.
0: I can't wait. I can't wait. Thanks, buddy. And now on the tee, Megan Schuster. Yo, Shusty, what's happening?
1: Hey, House, how are you?
0: I'm A-OK. So as our ringer, resident, golf expert, give me a reaction to last week's events at Riviera Country Club in the beautiful Los Angeles area.
1: It is a very beautiful area. But, House, I have to say I'm already preemptively exhausted by this discussion. But it's one I suspect we'll have to continue to have for some time now. And that is the subject of Pace of Play. By far the biggest takeaway on social media from Sunday, from a great Genesis Open tournament all around that had a great leaderboard going into the final round, but the takeaway was the ridiculousness of some of J.B. Holmes's antics during the round that took five and a half hours for him and his playing partners to finish.
0: Five and a half hours. So it's interesting. You use the word antics. What do you mean by antics?
1: I mean, you know, he did his typical plum bobbing thing, which is, you know, to be expected at this point. But there were just some holes where it seemed sort of overblown. He would wait for Justin Thomas to complete a hole when they had the similar line. He could have been lining up, getting ready to hit. And instead, like on 10 on Sunday, he waited until after Justin Thomas hit his putt. He was on the same line. And then he started his routine that took over a minute. So it's just some some things like that. And I really don't want to harp on JB too much here, specifically for reasons that I'll get into, but it was just certain things like that that were particularly frustrating for me as a viewer to watch someone take that much time,
0: yeah, so uh I just had uh Nathan Hubbard on the brother of Mark Hubbard, who won on the web dot com tour this past weekend, and I asked Nathan because you know Nathan's in like the 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 tech world, but he's also in um you know live event space mm-hmm. and has kind of his his thumb on the pulse of, uh, how folks are sort of allocating their entertainment dollars. And I asked him, um, you know, the question about the pace of play and whether he thought it might have any impact on, you know, sort of the demographics and, and, and the level of interest. And he gave an answer that, um, was pretty close to, uh, a guy that I like on, on, uh, Twitter. Well, I follow him on Twitter. He's a senior writer at ESPN, Kevin. Kevin van valkenberg who Mm -hmm. who made the point about kind of you know we have a whole generation of young folks that have been raised on you know kind of an iphone platform and have been consuming their entertainment in digestible bites how does a golf broadcast that you know really goes honestly you can watch golf for 10 hours on saturday and sunday if that's your thing but even like the television broadcast in the afternoon each day on, on major network, you know, CBS or NBC goes, or, or Fox when it's the U.S. Open, um, goes from like, you know, three o'clock to 6.30 or 7. Are they anticipating that people are sitting and watching that all the way through? And if so, you know, what's the viewer experience like? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there is uh, skepticism out there about the sustainability of this product, and that's what it is you know it's an it's an entertainment item it's a leisure activity that is watching golf on television. How sustainable is it when you have you know players that are playing at a pace that's outside the boundaries of the rules?
1: Mm-hmm. I will say i I agree with all of that, and I do think that it will Get more difficult to figure that out. When you look at a sport like baseball that is constantly trying to enforce time limits and is trying to move quicker, and then you see the PGA Tour allow something like J.B. Holmes on Sunday, giving no warnings, not putting him on the clock, not penalizing him at all, not even trying in any way to hurry him up. It's a little bit frustrating. I will say on Sunday, uh, there were a lot of great memes on Twitter, a lot of fun, uh, pace of play jokes on Twitter. So in that respect, it was kind of nice that I had more time to scroll through my Twitter timeline in between shots. But in general, I, I do think it is harming viewership in that people are there to see golf shots. They're not there to see, you know, the beautiful scenery of which there was a Riviera. It's a lovely course. But we're there to see people playing and we're there to see action. And when you have to bounce between so many different groupings, especially on a Sunday of a tournament like this, it's just, it takes up too much time.
0: Yeah, I I, um, wondered aloud in my chat with Nathan, whether, you know, if you're focusing on the lead group with uh, JT and JB Holmes and JB Holmes is taking an extraordinary amount of time, that means there isn't time to switch around and show other guys that are pushing up onto the leaderboard, guys like Rory, guys like Siwoo Kim, mm-hmm. um, who had like legit chances as as the day turned out. Now part of why I feel sort of uh sympathetic to JB and and honestly that whole final group, the weather changed so much mm-hmm. over the course of obviously over the course of the entire four-day tournament, but over the course of that day, and it had such an impact on the way that the Greens were playing, mm-hmm. the, the Greens were genuinely confounding these guys, especially on the back nine, such that, that both Justin Thomas and JB Holmes missed from, from distances that they never, ever, ever, ever missed from because, you know, the combination of the speed of the greens plus the heavy breeze was just throwing them all for a loop. I mean, Bubba Watson ended up tied 15th. He, he four putted the, the 72nd hole. He four putted 18 Uh, and, and, you know, had a chance of of being, you know, up in that sort of, uh, top 10 range if he hadn't done that.
1: No, you're right. And honestly, I, you know, don't mean to criticize JB too much because he did close out on a very difficult course. A lot of guys were coming off talking about how difficult the back nine was. Justin Thomas had 34 putts in this, in the final round. And before that, he hadn't had more than 26 in a round over the weekend. So it was insanely difficult. And I do think that, you know, in those kind of conditions, you are a little bit more forgiven for taking more time. But also, you know, to JB's point, you know, why would he want to speed it up? What, you know, he's not being penalized. There's no incentive for him to speed it up. He just won $1.3 million playing the way that he played. So there's really no incentive for him to change. It's not, the onus isn't really on him to change. It's more so on the tour to force that.
0: Yeah, well I, well, I think we can agree, at least on the on the putting greens, we would like to see guys show up a little more ready. And let, let me tell you something uh, real quick, Shusty. Mm-hmm. If if everybody was putting with Odyssey, and it certainly seems <laughs> that way, the number one putter on tour, but they're all putting with Odyssey, they'd be ready and able to go execute. Right now, Odyssey is featuring its stroke lab technology, which I am going to get to experience with my own two hands coming out to Los Angeles, California next week. And I'm going into the stroke lab and hopefully coming out on the other side alive. But the the Odyssey putters have been great all season. So speaking of grinding it out, let me ask you this question. I asked Nathan Hubbard this. Do you think that JB Holmes pace of play had an impact on Justin Thomas?
1: Hmm. I would venture to say that the short, in short, yes. I think the longer answer is that I think the conditions probably had the greatest effect. You know, they'd played, finished the third round Sunday morning. By Sunday afternoon, the course was almost completely different. I mean, you could just see his frustration around the greens. It just he wasn't getting great reads. It just had a difficult all-around day. But I would say that I would suspect his frustration was mounted by playing with someone who was playing so slowly and. You know, when Brooks Kepko was talking about slow play a few weeks ago, he said that that was one of the most frustrating things to him on the course was being paired up with someone who played so much slower, who was just moving at a different pace. I don't see how it can't affect you, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I'm interested in this uh, Justin Thomas uh, failure to get across the goal line thing. And I'm looking for an explanation because this is the second time This season that he's been, you know, uh, in the final group or, or, you know, right around the lead and he's not been able to get across the, the, the goal line. And, you know, there, there was such a dramatic difference in the quality of play that he demonstrated. He looked absolutely in charge for a good portion of Sunday. Mm -hmm. Uh, definitely during the completion of his third round, he, he, uh, he shanked one on the ninth hole. Uh, went over chipped it to six feet uh and and made saved par and I was like oh he this is this is his tournament to win <laughs> yeah. I mean when you see that it was a shank shank that he hit you know on on number nine uh, but he went, walked right over calmly chipped it right up there and made the putt um but some, you know whether it was the change in weather whether it was the fact of of the the grind of the day I'm not sure what to attribute it to but he he certainly, Fell apart. He lost that uh, mojo, that momentum, whatever confidence he was he was feeling at the end of the third round. And now that's something that we've seen not just out of him, but also Roy McElroy has three top fives this season. Mm-hmm. Two different opportunities to really go try and take a tournament uh, by the jugular. And then Jordan Spieth, who has been having these opening round successes, mm-hmm. and then as as tournaments have gone on, so we have Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth. All all of whom were uh, at some point, you know, wearing the, the 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 crown, the youth crown and the the list of winners this season Shusty, is old dudes. Mm-hmm. It's it's JB Holmes. It's <laughs> Phil Mickelson. It's uh Justin Rose. Yep. And and you know Rick, Ricky is the youngest, I guess. Now Adam Long did win the Desert Classic. He came out of nowhere, but the 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 list of of winners, the the two youngest guys are are Xander Shoffley, who won the season opener, mm-hmm. and then y- your boy Adam Long at the Desert Classic. But otherwise, a lot of very distinguished, accomplished, multi-time winners on on tour, and we're, we're, out of Rory and JT. And, and Jordan Spieth, you know, I'm, I, I don't know what to make of it.
1: Should we do like a confidence index on these guys, House? Because I have to say, two of the three I am not worried about, despite, okay. despite falling apart at the end. I Watching Justin Thomas this weekend was wonderful. He very nearly set a 54-hole scoring record at this tournament, which I think is wildly impressive. Now, he obviously fell apart on, on Sunday during the last round. Like Finishing with a 75 when you come in with a four-shot lead is not acceptable. Um, His putting woes were also not acceptable, but I think he showed enough to me over the first three rounds and over his first few tournaments this weekend or this year to really give me some confidence. And I will say, I started the season really worried about him. I know you and I have talked about this before. He was putting up Instagram stories, taking ice baths after walking around the course in Hawaii and golf not being a contact sport. That was a little bit concerning for me. But this weekend, I thought he did really well, and I felt the same about Rory. Jordan Spieth is obviously in a different category right now. He just seems to be kind of wafting through the breeze after the first rounds, and he is the one that I really have no idea what to make of. But the other two, I fully expect big things from this season.
0: Okay. I I, I like the sound of it, and I like the confidence index. Let's do that uh, this year. We're going to keep track of these young guys. We need a young guy to, to come back up. Maybe it'll be... This week down in Mexico, mm-hmm. um, what a loaded field! I'm very excited. Harry Gagnon from Against All Odds is coming on in a minute, and we're going to break down the uh, the, the Mexico uh, tournament. This, this this super classy field that we have coming together. Tell me this: do, is is there? Do you have any feelings about uh, your own selection for this Mexico WGC
1: event? My own selection. You know, to be totally honest with you, I'd have a really hard time picking against Phil right now.
0: Wow, Phil! Love me I some not Phil. I would that, sure.
1: Just, you know, defending his title now that Tiger's in the mix, I think he'll be playing extra hard. You know, the whole shorts thing just got okayed for practice rounds, and Phil seems pretty excited about that on Twitter, so... Boy, I think he has he's feeling those great. Beautiful
0: calves, I, massive Im, calves,
1: impeccable calves. I was truly stunned by that photo. Yeah. That was really something.
0: Your Phil does fit. He, he's he, it's every other week with Phil, mm-hmm. and last week was his off week, so this could be his on week. He is defending, and he, we know that he likes uh, Mexico. So It's a good one. It's a good one. I love it, Shusti.
1: Great.
2: Thanks.
0: That that's golf social for this week. We shall pick it up again next time.
1: Wonderful. Thanks, House. Thanks, Shusti.
0: And now on the tee, Harry Gagnon. Yeah, buddy. Yes. You all know him. You love him. A vital member of the degenerate trifecta on Cousin Sal's Against All Odds. Harry, we had a rough week last week.
3: Boy, it was tough, man. Uh, You know, look, back-to-back weeks of wacky weather on the West Coast. Uh, A couple uh, crazy weekends. Uh, My picks last week like riding a roller coaster at Magic Mountain. I had Jordan Spieth at 25 to 1. He opened with a brilliant 64, but on Sunday, he tanked. Disastrous. 81. Are you kidding me, House? We It's unbelievable. That he's he's been inconsistent with some real bad holes. He actually, on Sunday, went for a double. He had a triple. And if people don't know what a snowman is, he had an 8. He had an 8 on a par 4 tenth hole.
0: Now, Now, Harry, who was your number one pick last week? Remind me.
3: I did, I did like, like I said, Speed, the 25-to-1. I did like Bubba real good because he had won there three times uh, at Riviera in the past. He finished 15th, not terrible by any means. But what was terrible by all means was my top 20 pick for Martin Laird. Marty finished in a tie for dead last. Now, I know he had to start and then stop with the rain early in the morning, but a horrendous pick nonetheless. Everyone's got to play in bad condition. Sometimes you get the break, sometimes you don't. But <laughs> I promise to do much better this week.
0: That was bad. <laughs> well, no. Look, I, I, I look. It, it, go, p- picking winners is hard. We do the best we can. No doubt. I, I felt like I, I, we, you know, together we did a pretty decent job. I gave out Rory. I liked the the narrative, and and he was right there. Uh, you know, with with sure. the last two holes to play in his round. He's got three, three start,
3: three starts this year. He's uh, top five, also three so far. Uh, that's
0: pretty damn good. Uh, I thought he was ready for a moment. And I, I'm a little disappointed that he didn't birdie 17 and then par 18 to just apply a little bit of pressure. But uh, it was it was Jb Holmes to win. Now you ha- you like Jb Holmes this season. You had him lined up for the for the uh, Pebble Beach event, right?
3: I had him for Pebble Beach, and you know it's just one of those things. He historically he'd been playing really well there, and then he just he didn't get it rolling, just like Laird didn't get it rolling this week. And Laird, like I said last week. Very historically, very good uh, at Riviera. Just didn't pan out. And then, uh, and then of course, Holmes comes back and he wins unbelievably, down four, heading into the fourth round, and he pulls it out.
0: All right, Harry, so we have you for a special occasion this week. Uh, previous two episodes we've done this week in Tiger Woods with our main man, Chris Vernon, with Verno. Uh, this week, you are on the hot seat for this week in Tiger Woods. Now, the first thing we're going to do, we're going to give Tiger a grade for his performance at Riviera last week. What do you what What grade would you give Tiger?
3: You know what? I'm going to give him a better grade than you probably would think. Uh, I'm going to give him I'm going to give him a B minus, maybe a B plus, just because. Look, he had to hit a 30 footer, 35 footer, just to make the cut, and he buried it for birdie. To move him into the field, playing the rest of the day on Saturday, and let me just say, let, let me just say that look, Tiger finished fifteenth, and had, he had a decent turning. But what I think, what we need to focus in on leading up to this week in Mexico, where he's finally playing again, and the majors, is the possibility, the possibility of him going off and having that unforgettable round. And I think we saw a glimpse of that in his round three performance this past week. He opened on the back nine to start his round and went birdie, eagle, birdie, birdie, and then had another eagle on the par five first, which put him seven under through ten holes at the time. Look, House, we are seeing something evolving, I think, with Woods, something that might be magical down the road. And when I say down the road, I mean Augusta. Wouldn't that be something special to see him alive late on Sunday? It might just happen. Like I said before, we discussed, me and you. He's plus two seventy one a major, twelve to one to win the Masters. He's got a shot. He's playing. He's getting there, and this is he's playing so much better than he did a year ago at this juncture.
0: Harry, you just turned on the chills machine. You should see the hair standing up on the back of my head. Now, I, <laughs> I, you 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 put it so so dramatically. I'm I'm right there with you. I'm giving him a solid B plus. Now, on last mm-hmm. week's episode with Verno, I expressed some concern about how taxing this week was going to be for Tiger because it's his event. He's the host. It's his foundation. That's the beneficiary. He's being pulled in a lot of directions. I mean, he brought out the, the, the heavy duty celebrities, the high wattage celebrities were there on Monday. They did the collegiate, uh, event where, um, they invite a group of college, uh, kids to come compete. And there's, there's, uh. You know, money opportunities for their schools associated with that. He's just a lot on his plate for this event. And I said to Chris Vernon, I wondered if this would be an event where Tiger missed the cut. And not that it would be deliberate, but he would miss the cut and then use it to kind of recharge and refuel. And he's playing that that host role. But I'll be gosh darn if he's not standing there, as you just described, at the end of his second round, knowing that he needed to make a putt to keep playing and and Tiger Woods, top-notch, Eldrick Tiger, zipper zone fashion. He sinks it and then goes off. I mean, you, you yeah. just described yeah. the start. It was unbelievable. So I give him a very solid B+. Now, I'm personally surprised that he's playing in this Mexico event. I, I I'm, I'm impressed. I love whether it's intentional or not. The uh, exporting of golf, you know, him going into Mexico, he he hasn't played like, you know, th- this this event, this WGC event used to be at Doral when uh, he was healthy. So he's played in this particular event a bunch of times, but he's never played in Mexico since since it, it moved there. And, you know, this right. field is it's an incredible field. Uh, this is where we get, you know, the the real mashup of the best European guys coming over. Um, and, and the, all the top us guys and some of these threesomes, I mean, listen to, to some of these, these pairings tigers playing with Bryson DeChambeau, who he has a great relationship with, but also Abraham answer who, who was raised in Reynosa, Mexico. Do you think that's going to be a popular group for folks to walk around with? Uh, you have Phil Mickelson playing with Justin Thomas and just, and, and DJ, Dustin Johnson, Phil JT and oh. DJ. What, what are we talking? And then look at this one, John Rahm, Patrick Reed and Ricky Fowler. I would love, I mean, you know, I, I, I know Rahm and Reed will get along just, just fine, but those are two guys who run hot. Like you could imagine they're there, there being a little bit of uh Man, I I' just I'd love a little spice, a little Mexican flavor out of out of, out of uh, somebody getting their nose out of joint. And then and then look at this one. this firepower, Brooks Kepka, Rory McElroy, Bubba Watson. Good
3: God, Harry. Oh, wow, wow. Hey, Bubba's played good there. Um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see uh, Brooks hasn't played too many events lately, so it's going to be interesting to see how he gets off, too, you know.
0: Well, you, as is our way. Uh, let's go ahead and and give out our Epic Flash uh, p- picks of the week. Now, I, this is Epic Flash by Callaway, the number one driver on on tour. And by the way, the driver played by non-staffer JB Holmes. JB Holmes played a Callaway Epic Flash Sub Zero and and won at Riviera with it. He put it in his bag for the first time. Down to Tory. That's pretty damn good, Harry. He does, he's not I'm a Callaway sorry. guy, but he but he likes that driver. So let's talk. Boy, I mean, this yeah. is this is this is just a wealth of riches. It's gonna be really I find a field like this so hard to try and, and and you know make a selection out of. I know who I'm gonna pick. I have one guy in mind, but let's just talk about some names um before we get to the the ultimate selection. Name, give me two or three names that you're thinking about.
3: Sure. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I, I know this uh, venue has been here at this course for the past three years and last year, uh, JT, Justin Thomas came in second and lost in a tie uh, a tiebreaker to Phil in a playoff the year before he finished fifth. And I know Justin Thomas probably didn't sleep well on Sunday at, or at all. After blowing that four shot Like I mentioned to Holmes. I'm sure he's going to be fired up all week and you can get him at 10 to one. Uh, like I said, he lost the film in the playoff in Mexico last year, so maybe he's still focused and he's going to be uh, he'll rebound. Uh, I think uh, a guy to look at um, is Spaniard Rafa Cabrera Bello. Uh, he yeah. finished one back last year and shot in uh, the 60s every round last year. I'm seeing his odds at a whopping 50-1. to one. And a couple of guys, you know, our guy that we mentioned, uh, Cameron Smith, you can get it 66-1. to one. And my guy that I mentioned to you a couple of times ago, Hao tong Lee. Is at sixty-six to one? So I'm looking at those. Maybe even Bubba, who's played, like I said, there well before, and he's already at these WGC events. He's played well in. Uh, I want to say in the last seven years, he's come in second three times in these in this tur- in this tournament, whether wherever it's at. So at thirty-five to one, take a look at Bubba again as well.
0: So I, I like Bubba, and and there is an angle here that I'm interested in in uh, your thoughts on this. Uh, this venue uses the same grass combination it has Kikuyu fairways uh and and some kakuyu rough and on the greens it's it's a mix of of poa and and bent grass so there it's the same combination as what they use at riviera i'm wondering if the guys who just experienced that you know that was like uh that combination was on steroids because it's not typical at Riviera for them to be playing at twenty five mile an hour winds sustained over the the number of hours and then not to mention, you know, all the water right. and everything. Yeah, exactly. Uh I'm wondering if if the guys coming right from Riviera are gonna have an immediate familiarity uh when they arrive. It's just gonna feel, you know, like like what they've been doing all week long. And maybe that'll be uh something that feels like like kind of a a, a relief. You mentioned uh uh uh, Rafa Cabrera Bello, I like his, his odds uh, here. He, he, I thought he played pretty good at, at Riviera last week. I'm also looking at Hideki Matsuyama. He's available at at thirty to one and uh, finished top ten down at, uh, at at Riviera last week. And right. you know he has some some nice advanced metrics that suggest that he could be ready. Now he he, he uh, didn't putt great last week. But these these greens are are like a full marker slower on the stimp meter. You know they're running about eleven, and and it was twelve plus for sure at, at Riviera, probably closer to thirteen as the afternoon went on. It's going to be hard for me. My Epic Flash Callaway Epic Flash pick of the week. I just can't stay away from Justin Thomas. I mean, this, this is the moment. I, he's available ten to one odds. Those are bad odds. I think I might live bet him I'm gonna root for him to have a mediocre first round uh and then live bet him after his first round and have him come sometimes out and that burn pays the off. house though
3: sometimes that's better. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah, that's right uh and then, then maybe on 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 Friday i mean what what he just showed I feel like he's gonna uh have such a sour taste in his mouth after last week um that I just right. feel like he might come out and 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 burn the house down give me your your number one pick for for the for the week.
3: You know what? I think I'm gonna jump on with you. I gotta jump on. Me and you are on the same side. I think I gotta go with Justin Thomas too, just because the you know you notice like on 16 on Sunday uh, he got that birdie and it got him close. He got I think got it within one of uh, of uh, of Holmes, and he was so pumped up because he knew he was having such a rough day. And that guy he just still couldn't get over the hump, and he still came in second. He couldn't pull it off against Holmes, but I think like. He is determined. He is driven to get that done. You know, like I said, in the last two years, he's finished second. He's finished fifth at this course. Same situation, like you said, same stuff. He plays well there in Riviera. He plays well here. So I think at ten to one, I agree with you. Maybe you hold off, see how it goes. Get him maybe a little bit later at fifteen, seventeen to one. Let somebody have a nice round and then die down later on, and maybe grab Justin Thomas at maybe 15, like I said, fifteen, seventeen, eighteen to one and hope that he plays a great on the weekends. Like I said last year, and last year on the weekend he sh- he shot a 62 on Saturday there and he shot a 64 on Sunday to even get close to uh, in a tie with Phil.
0: Yeah, so that that's what we're after. Let's have a repeat of that cuz that means his odds Friday night and that's when I'm going to go online. His odds Friday night were you know uh, not looking great. So we're going to get some some good good value out out of JT. I love it when we go in together. I hope we're not a mush. I hope I hope we're not a combined, I hope it's not a combined mush, Harry. There we go, my par-saving pals. Harry, as always, appreciate your input. Let's go, JT. Let's catch
3: something this week, buddy. Let's do it.
0: Let's do it. All right, there we go, my birdie buddies. We are scheduled to have next week off, but I have to tell you, if something extraordinary happens involving one Eldrick Tiger Woods, I'm going to insist on having a podcast about it. But otherwise, the schedule calls for a little bit of a breather, and then we're hitting the ground running with Bay Hill. We're going all the way straight through the Masters week after week of fairway rolling with spectacular guests and hopefully lots of very helpful analysis and tips for your fantasy points and your pocket books. Until next time, we will be rolling on the fairway rolling. part of the Ringer Podcast Network.